me go back again to something that I spoke last week and refer to that for just a moment. So today, if I'm giving a title to what we're going to be doing today, it would be titled, The Hymn and the Hand. That will make sense in a moment, but The Hymn and the Hand. But before we go any further, I want to say this. Um, I think it's important that we understand that we can only arrive where we want to be or where we're called to be if we have a vision for getting there. So if our vision is unclear or if it's clouded, we're going to have a hard time getting where we're called to be. And usually the cloud that gets in between where we stand and the vision that he's given to us, usually the cloud is, it's simply a reflection of the past that you're coming from. The fog on the glass is simply a reflection of what you've come from. And it gets in the way of where he wants to take you because you're going to weigh where you're headed against everything that you walk, that you're moving from. It doesn't always make that that you're moving from bad. Everything has its point and purpose in our lives. Where we've been, it has its point. It has its moment. It has life in a specific moment. But what religion does and what just, not just religion, but what law does, what I don't know the right word. I, I don't know the right word I'm looking for. But if we consistently do the same thing that was in the beginning a right thing, at some point consistently doing it will become the wrong thing. So that cloud in our vision, I can tell you that every single person in this room, it doesn't even matter how old you are or how deep your relationship is with Christ or if you even have relationship with Christ. Every single person was put into this earth. He breathed into you his pneuma, which is full of purpose. It wasn't just air. It was purpose. He breathed into you a vision for what he desired for you to fulfill in the time that you will be on the earth. That cloud is simply a reflection. That fog that stands between us and the completing it is often that cloud that he wants to remove is no more than a reflection of our past that we struggle with. We always go back and we weigh it against, well, this is what everybody else is doing. This is what I used to do. This is what I was taught to do. This is what I thought I was supposed to do. And that's the cloud that's in front of us. But the cloud that's in, it's, it isn't really in front. It's really a reflection of what's behind and when you begin to slowly, with your hand, begin to move that fog off of that mirror or off of that glass, that reflection begins to disappear. And all you can see in front of you is hope and promise and purpose and fulfillment. Dreams coming to pass. Do you hear me today? So last week, uh, the message that I taught, and if you did not hear that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it either on YouTube, Vimeo, the website, wherever, go the podcast, but listen to the message if you did not hear it. This week, when I came in on Tuesday morning, my daughter had printed some of the words, and I meant to bring that with me, and I did not. Do you have that, Kaylee, a copy of that on you? Oh, you have a copy? Oh, did you share it with Ephraim and Manasseh? Oh, thank you. Now, does anybody have glasses? (laughs) Thank you, babe. So I'm going to wear my wife's glasses. Pardon that they don't match. Other than that, the frames are perfect. I'm just kidding. Nothing about it match goes. Let me adjust these accordingly. So this was said... These are some of the words that I spoke last week and didn't even realize that I had said all of this. And I asked her, I said, was this, these were things that I said last week? I was as shocked as you probably were when you heard me say it. But it says, the rock is not, nor will it ever be a traditional house. The rock is not, nor will it ever be a house full of perfect people. If we get to the place where every single person has everything right, we have failed as long as there is even one person outside the walls that doesn't. I don't want a house that is filled with perfect God-fearing people. I want a house that has God-fearing people that see through the conditions and see the possibility of the people that come in here. 
and that don't quite fit the mold of the people you want sitting at your dinner table. If we begin to look past those conditions, if we begin to say, Christ says, let him without sin cast the first stone, if we can see the person, we can see the possibility in the person. And that is the most important part of every encounter Christ had with every person all through Scripture. The most important part of your own journey is that Christ looked at you and said, I don't see what you carry to the table. I see what you carry in your heart. I don't see what you hold in your hand. I see what you hold in your heart. I want every Mary Magdalene that lives in Seminole County to come to the rock. I don't want them to believe for a second if they walk into the building that the roof will fall down. I want them to believe when they walk into this place they will be received just as they are. We are going to see them for who they are and for who Christ made them to be. If as they come they aren't pursuing the Father, then we demonstrate faith past believing and say, Holy Spirit, this is up to you. They're disruptive. They don't look like you. They don't dress like you. They don't act like you. Do you avoid them? What do you do? You go to them and say, welcome to the rock. The kingdom of God is here. Father, renew our minds so that we do not see the conditions Because Christ didn't. And I read that and I thought, thank you, Kaylee and honey. Do you need these to read your... The, um, but I read that and I began... I'm going to just sit down here for a second and share the few things that I have to share. And then we're going to do something different. So as I read that, I looked and began to develop and dwell on some of this. And then I listened to the podcast as I do every week, and would encourage you to do um, every week. But I listened, and I was just hearing again what the Holy Spirit was using me to say this week. And as I heard, and I began to reflect again, I asked the question of myself that I asked of those who were at intercession on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., And I know that one of the statements that I made last Sunday while I was preaching was, I said, I want the alcoholic to come here and be glad that he did. I want the drug addict to come here and be glad that he did. The adulterer, the adulteress, the fornicator. And when I'm saying those terms, no one in the room would have issue with any of those. But when I get to pedophile, when I get to murderer, when I get to those things that in our mind we measure as a greater sin than the other, we are challenged to get our vision through the conditions And into the possibility. So I asked the question on Sunday morning of those who were, I mean Wednesday morning of those who were here at intercession. And I asked this question. I shared first some of the concerns of those we might let into the rock. Some of the concerns that though I didn't hear them, I felt them. So I asked the question. Who, you tell me, who we should stand at the door and say, you are too bad, you're not welcome here. And I said, I tell you what, you tell me who you want me to say you can't come, and I'll tell them. But you got to tell me in front of everybody. Who do you want me to stand up and say to, You cannot come. I'm going to ask this question of you today. And this is living room speak this morning. Is this good? Are we good? Thank you visitors for being here. This might be different for you. But just this is how we roll at the rock. (laughs) So if the father, we know in the second testament, not the new testament. There's no such thing as a new testament. It's a testament. It just happens to be the second one. It doesn't make the old one irrelevant. 
It means there's a First Testament and there's a Second Testament. So in the Second Testament, we know that the Father does all things well. So which part of the Father doing all things well? I'm just provoking thought. Which part of the Father doing all things well did He fail at? If in our heart, we do not possess His ability to look through the conditions. Somebody let me know right now, where did God fail? Somebody let me know right now, if you feel like somehow that God didn't think about the pedophile. Or the murderer. Or the adulterer. Or the homosexual. Somebody let me know if somehow he did not consider them doing all things well when he looked through the conditions of every one of those and saw the potential for an opportunity to rearrange their entire life. So I asked, who do I say to? See, it's easy to say who we want. We want this person, we want this person, we want that person. These are the people we want to come to the rock. It's easy to say, or any church, I'm just saying the rock because this is the only church I have any authority, only building, only ministry I have any authority over. I, I love uh, what Tim said this morning. He said, we got to come to the place we stop calling it a church. That's another day, another time. Because we're the church. The people are the church, not the building. But if, and this is going to get very different in a moment. I keep telling you that because it is. I'm prepping your soil for the reworking of your roots. So... It's easy to say, we want this one, we want this one, we want this one. If we lined up 10 people and we could measure them out, most people would say, I'm really comfortable with these folks. But not Christ. Christ said, I want all you perfect religious folks, you Sadducees and Pharisees, get out of my face. Because I see the people that are on the backside of you that you kicked outside the city walls. Those are the ones I'm interested in. Because I'm looking through their conditions because I see that their potential and their possibility is that they will serve me because they love me, not because they do all the right laws. They don't measure the relationship by how many times they get it right or get it wrong. They measure the relationship by how long they walk with me. (laughs) You hearing me? So when I ask the question, who would we say to, you cannot come here because the rock, we have children. We have single women. We have single men. We're all straight. In which I don't get that whole, yeah, that whole straight and non, whatever. But because of that, you can come here. No. No. Because I'm straight. I am straight. (laughs) Homosexual, come. Because I'm a parent. Pedophile, come. Because I'm married. Adulterer, come. Because I'm clean. Drug addict, come. Because I'm white, black man come. Because I'm black, white man come. Because I'm not racist, racist come. Because I love, hater come. Do you hear me today? For those that are visiting and you're wondering why people are striking hands and doing that, because that's how we say amen. That's how we come into agreement.
mean, you can say amen. <laughs> or you can demonstrate it. So what do we do? So I have to share something, and I, I got to do this as quickly as I can. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some things this morning. Let me ask you three questions. Who do we want to be? I want you to hear what I'm saying. Write it down. Put it in your notes. Because I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer this. Probably not today. Maybe. Who do we want to be? What do we want to look like? When I'm talking about we, I mean we. I mean we. All of we. Those of you, this is home to you. This is where you eat your bread. Who do we want to be? What do we want to look like? And who exactly do we want to actually impact and change? If people lined up, folks, in a line, and they said, these nine are born-again believers. They are powerhouses in the church of God. They are not church of God religion, but church of God body of Christ. These are powerhouses. And then this one is in every way a rascal. Which would you rather have? I want the rascal. We can do more with a rascal than I can do with a bunch of religious idiots that think that they're God's gift to the entire world. <laughs> so who do we want to be? What do we want to look like? And who do we want to impact? So let me say this quickly. When Kim and I Before I met her, just, just a couple of years before I met my wife, I went into full-time ministry. I was 20-something, five, four, five, something, I can't remember. But um, 31 years ago, I went into full-time ministry. When I went into full-time ministry, from the day that I went into full-time ministry, I knew that what the Father had called me to was something completely different than anything I had ever seen. A lot of people, and it's no, it's no negative bearing on them, but there's many people that go into ministry, and when they go into ministry and they believe they're called to full-time ministry, they have a picture of what they want it to look like. They want it to look like this ministry, that ministry. They want to be the next Joyce Meyer. They want to be the next whoever's Benny Hinn. They want to be the next uh, whoever, Jeffries, whatever, whatever his name is. I don't watch any other preachers, so I don't have any idea anything that any of those people are saying. I don't listen to anything they say, and I don't watch anything they put on TV. But they want to be those next people. And that was never me. I knew from the beginning I was an odd duck. But I knew that I wasn't an odd duck on, by air. I knew that he didn't make me an odd duck because he, he flipped the wrong switch. I was an odd duck because he needed somebody to be, and if I can use this description, I'm not in any way trying to surmise or imply that I am the second coming of John the Baptist, but he needed somebody that was willing to wear skin and eat locusts and honey animal skin and eat locusts and honey because all around him all he saw were people wearing turbans and cloaks and he said I need the next guy that will wear camel hair and eat locusts and honey I need the next guy that's willing to be wild eyed and willing to take risks even under beheading in order to fulfill the purpose of God. And he knew that when he created me, he created me to have that. So long story short, so I move into ministry, I go into ministry and I find myself, and I've got to say this very quickly because this is all going to lead up to where we're headed very quickly begin to move into ministry, begin to travel, begin to evangelize. I was a youth pastor. I was a worship leader. Uh, 
again, I traveled, and then my wife and I met, and for three and a half years, we were on the road all the time, and just, well, it was overlap, but on the road all the time, and in a different church every, every week, and every week, I would go into these places and love the people, but miss the point. Love the people, but see everywhere I went, have I been anywhere, I have to ask my question, have I been anywhere where they're saying to the rascal, come in and mean it? It's not just a slogan on their wall or in their mission statement. Have I been anywhere where they're actually trying to find them and inviting them? Where under their breath they're not saying, outside publicly they're saying this is who we want, but under their breath they're saying, but if they don't come we're okay with it? Because after all, we have parents, we have married people, we have young people, we have all these people that might be vulnerable to the poison that they might bring into the building. So, you know, maybe we're better off if we just go to them, and, and, but we don't let them come in here. But then you're never going to get to them because they're never going to let you get there. They're not going to let you get close because you ooze ugly and you ooze witchcraft because it's about manipulation. That's what witchcraft is. Witchcraft isn't hocus pocus and you make things appear and disappear. Witchcraft is manipulation. That's what the Bible says. Witchcraft is... Anyway. Can't go there. So in my heart it always was that it was going to be different. And whatever he called me to was going to be different. And you know, for we celebrated 21 years of ministry at The Rock two weeks ago. 21 years we've been here. And yet we look so much like a typical church, I can't, it's, it's difficult for me. Does it bother anybody else? <laughs> Nobody's going to answer. <laughs> what goes on inside of here is powerful, but we're not judged by what goes on inside of here. People drive by every day, all they do is see a building that looks like a church, and they don't judge this place by what, they, what goes on inside. They're judging it by what they see outside. It's just another church building. We're not going to, let's sleep in Sunday morning. Nothing different about that. What they do, they do at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning just like everybody else. You need to hear me today. So we've done all kinds of things. We've taken side steps and crisscrosses and we've stepped into being different. We've, we've moved, removed the chairs, made everybody stand up through. We just, it's just anything, just in search of. Father, what do you, how can we set ourselves apart because we're not typical? Because my heart burns to reach a people. Look around you in this room this morning. There's some, a few, that are here that have come from very challenging backgrounds, very difficult backgrounds that know that they've been accepted here, they've been received here. But most of the people in this room this morning, can I be completely honest, you came from another church. And some of the people that are here from another church came from the other church because you were offended with what they were doing or what they were saying or what they weren't doing. But you knew God when you got here. You didn't come here looking for God. You came here... For a different place, and it's no mark on you. Listen to, don't, don't, I'm not chastising anybody. I'm glad you're here. Because we're all in search of something. And sometimes wherever it was, you weren't getting it. But the point being, most of the people that are in this building right now are in this building. And I know you're watching online and people are watching online wherever you are. But you're watching today. Some of you are sitting home because, just because, let me make my point. Most of the people in this room today are here from somewhere else, from another church. But a miracle did not happen when you walked in here because you were lost without God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you today? A miracle. Something didn't encounter. You didn't come in because you were lost. You didn't know where to go. You were in a ditch and somebody reached out to you and somebody became a demonstration to you. I'm telling you, this is what the Father wants to raise this house up to be. Do you hear my heart today? He's raising us up not to be just another 
building of church people down the street. He's raising us up to be an assembly of people that have such a passion to see through the conditions of people's lives. There's nobody we're going to say, you can't come here. In fact, we're going to say to them, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if the Father does all things well, He does all things well. Whoever He sends, whoever comes here, no matter where they are, I promise you, He's providing provision for protection. And If safety is needed, if for some reason there's a threat, He's going to provide protection for that. Can we not be the faithless ones that say, oh, I'm worried about that. I can't be a part of that anymore because now this is present. Can we not be found faithless? Can we be found with strength and zeal and passion knowing that the same God that lifted you up out of the crud that you were in wants to lift somebody else out of the crud they're in? Many don't even know they're in crud. They don't know it because they're crud. Most people that it's out there that are still living in crud that don't know they're in crud, are, they don't know they're in crud because they've never been encountered by someone without crud. Their whole life is surrounded by it. Their church is in the back alley somewhere smoking weed or taking heroin or whatever it is. That's church to them. They don't find God until they're on another planet in their mind. And then the God they find on that planet isn't the God that wants to resurrect them. It's the God that wants to lead them to another needle. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? So I said last week, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know how that impacts everybody, but I made the statement last week because I, I wear my feelings and my thoughts on my sleeve. I'm never, I, I just do. And I said last week, I said, if you're uncomfortable with a pedophile, you're uncomfortable with a drug addict, you're uncomfortable with them being here, then this house is not for you. I would encourage you to find a place that provides you strictly religion, that will talk, say good things, but they don't do good things. Find a place that says to the pedophile, to the homosexual, to the idiot that is in our mind an idiot, but they're not. They're sinful. But how will they ever be sinless? If somehow we do not make a way. So I'm saying to you that are watching online today, maybe you're outside looking in. I'm telling you today, come to the rock. We're going to put all this together today because I, I, there was a word that he put in my heart that I'm going to do and going to give you opportunity right now. So it's going to get a little messy in here in just a second. In a good way. We're going to do something today. And I want you to hear what I'm telling you. The subject today is the him and the hand. What is the relationship between the him of the garment of Christ and the hand that touched it? What is the relationship? Let me read this story. In Luke chapter 8, verse 43, beginning with verse 43, it reads like this. It says, Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of Christ's garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And yet you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, because somebody touched me. For I perceived power that went out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she, had healed, how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What makes this story so intriguing. And I'm going to give you a few thoughts. Within this story is failure and fear and mystery and miracles and compassion. 
And all of these are at our disposal in our own life. Life. All of these qualities exist in those of us who have received Christ. And He has imparted to us the ability to receive and to see through the conditions so that we can see the promise and the potential in lives around us. So, the hem of Christ's garment is no more important than the hand of the woman who touched it. Why? How is the hem and the hand one as important as the other? What we're going to do today is I'm going to ask you to do this with me for about 10 or 15 minutes. There's people ready to do this. I'm just going to ask, remember what two rows you're in. For each two rows, you have just become a group. Okay? Each of those two rows are a group. These two back rows are a group. These two rows are a group. These two rows are a group. The two front rows are a group. Then these two, these two, these two. So if you would stand and put those chairs in a circle, your chairs in a circle. Gentlemen, if you will help them, please. Visitors. They'll take care of it for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to worry about that. They'll take care of that for you. Come on, everybody. Put your hands together this morning. That was awesome. Go ahead and remain where you are as we uh, do something a little bit different here. But let me ask a question, and I put a mic out here. You don't need a mic for the question I'm about to ask you right now. But uh, how many of you found that um, invigorating? How many of you found that enlightening to, to be able to just... A different, um, looking from a very different, you're looking through a different window this morning. Um, and you're hearing from a different voice this morning, which to me is the most important of what we're doing right now. Um, I want to share very quickly this little, little um, story, this little, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't think of the word, but anyway, it's a comparison. It's not an analogy, it's something else. But I shared again this morning as I was, speaking with, I was speaking with Sam, and I shared with him about how we look often at our past and everything about our past, how it affects our present and how it affects what we're going forward. And the example that I used was someone who learns a new language. And I used in, the, in this particular example, and you could use anything you want to, whether it was uh, Spanish or German or whatever, but I'm going to use Spanish since that is probably the, the language we're most going to encounter that is outside of English in the United States, at least I think. Um, so I said to him, I said, now imagine someone who all their life they knew Spanish. That's the language of their birth. So they spoke Spanish, but then they came into a place that spoke English so they begin to learn English. What you find is, I've never met anyone who Spanish is their first language that ever speaks English without a picture of their first language apparent within it. The dialect is never lost. There's always something about that first language that is evident even in a second language or third. In other words, you hear that Hispanic um, emphasis in places that in the English language you would not normally use that. So with your eyes closed, you could find someone who is Hispanic whose first language was Spanish and they learned English. You could close your eyes, let them speak, and within two or three words you would be able to say, this person's first language is Spanish because that's going to carry forward. It doesn't make, even though they learned a new language, it doesn't make the first language obsolete or irrelevant. Even if they spoke English only for the rest of their lives, there's still a measure of what was in their past that is present in it because it's part of who they are. This is the window. This is 
what I'm talking about today, when we move from what our first language is, our first perspective of the church is, our first perspective of the kingdom, no matter what it begins to look like going forward, there's going to be parts and pieces of what we move from that will always be present in who we are. Because some things, if you're still part of the kingdom of God, will never be left behind. It's always a part of our present. And that is that Christ is the Son of God, that God is the living God, Yahweh is the living God, there's no one other than Him, and that Holy Spirit is the part of God that comes to enlighten us and educate us about His will and purpose for us. So those things will never be lost. And I remind us that today, even though we're in a different setting, you have no less been to church, for lack of a better word today, because we broke up in groups. Do you feel any less churched by breaking up in groups than you would have if you'd have sat in our pretty little rows and listened to me talk for 45 minutes? Does anybody feel any less churched? Does anyone feel more so, more a part of what it's doing? So, let me hear, what did you, what I want to hear, and all the comments have to be very brief, because I want to make room for everybody, but I want someone, or someone's people, I want to hear, did you learn something? What changed? Did anything about what we did today, anything about what you learned in your group, did anything change in your mind and in your perspective? Someone who wants to come, very brief, come and use the microphone please, but keep it very, very brief so that everyone will have an opportunity. Hello, all right, so for starters. Um, you don't, there's no starters and then second, <laughs> brief. <laughs> Jimmy, you hardly ever speak, man, you know, and you're a man of character, um, but I, I had forgotten the good gestures that you, have, that, that you have done for people. I forgot about that, and I apologize, but I cherish it. I cherish it then, and I cherish it today, and I will cherish it tomorrow, and I believe in what you're doing in people's lives. Uh, ma'am, I've seen you before. Thank you so much for sharing what you did today, because I did not know until you shared the church that's within you. It's great. It's All right, great. and that's what I am thankful for today amongst us. It's great. Great. Somebody else. So let me let me ask this: Does the does the living room experience? One of the reasons we call this room the living room is because what what's happening right now is what I see. This is what's been in my heart for so long, is that we don't come in and we sit in these pretty little rows, that are so orderly and in place. I'm going to tell you, I don't want a clean stall. Clean stalls mean there's no movement. I want to know that our ox are at work. And so when, we're, when we come together and we come in here, um, does, this, does a living room experience, and I'm, I'm curious, does a living room experience make anyone nervous? The, the thought that you go on Sunday morning, you don't know what it's going to look like. There might be couches. There might be chairs. They, there could be 10 different group settings in here. could be something taught in different groups. Does that make you nervous? Does that excite you? Does that make you more interested, more curious? Does it make you want to come even more? Does that make you want to make sure you set your alarm every week, not just the week someone invited you to come? I want to hear what you got to say. Did you have something, Nicole? Yep. <laughs> so I just wanted to say, oh, Norris, thank you. Because um, I like the part that you said, the woman and him. Because I work with sex offenders and predators. And it allows me to understand that my hand is doing something yes because they do want to come to church and so now i know how to use my hand in a different way going forward it's good well said thank you so tell me what does this feel like to you what is this morning i mean share i mean if you're visiting and you have something to say you're welcome to we invite you to um but if you what does it say to you what does it make you feel like is it discomforting? Is it comforting? Is it uh, 
what does it raise up in you? Come on up, sissy. So this has been something in me and my family's heart. We have a lot of conversations about more of, like, we love Steve. We love his leadership. Steve loves you back. <laughs> and we, um, we think sometimes that is necessary to guide people and that leadership that they need sometimes, that, that leadership. But that this communion, this is the church. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what some people need. And that this talking, this back and forth, we always can draw off of other people. We can draw off of each other, even in everyday conversations. And that I think this is, I love it. <laughs> this Amen. has always been something in my heart that has been very important. And just being able to interact with other churches and impacting others. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to ask this morning what I asked earlier today. Uh, I, I don't know if it was in here in the other room, but I asked earlier, how many people do you think are out there in bed right now or just now having their coffee that slept in this morning because they didn't feel like there was anything to go to? They thought if, if I could go to some church, but I'm going to get exactly the same thing I got 20 years ago. Someone's going to preach and tell me all the things I'm doing wrong and nobody's going to really equip me to become something right. Or they might not even think there's anything wrong in their life. And they might just want to go somewhere where they're not made to feel all the wrongs and feel that there's a possibility to do something different. Instead of calling it the right thing, just say it's a different thing that might lead to something more life-giving. Does anybody hear me today? So... I wrote something while you were teaching, and I wrote this in my note. I said, we are eating our seed if we do not accept those that Christ believes in. We begin to eat our own seed. And this is what's happening in the church world today, and churches all over the world today. We eat our own seed. We, we keep hoping and praying, man, I just hope the same people that are here this week will come back next week. And we keep doing that over and over and over again and encouraging the same. And we want people to come. I want you to come back every week. But when you come back, who's, who's not setting their alarm today that you have influence over? Who didn't set their alarm that you have a voice into their life? You have the ability to say to them, no, I want to I introduce you to a place that's not what you expect. You think it's this. You think it's that. But I want to bring you to a living room where things are very different. Things are not the same. We're on a journey. We're learning. We're learning. I mean, we have, we have taken a lot of risks. We've stepped out in faith and done some things that we've said, woo, over. And we've stepped out on faith in some things that we went, ugh, over. It's true. That's the nature. That's, that's the nature of Adam. There's a little bit of Adam in all of us. And until he purges every ounce of Adam in us, there's always going to be a little bit of, that was a victory. Ah, uh, I repent, won't do that again moment. There's going to be, those are going to be mixed in. That's the nature of the kingdom of God is that we don't have to come into it perfect. We're being grown up. So in this environment, in a living room environment, and I don't know how we do it, but I can tell you, I've said it before, and then I've not stayed true to it. I've said before, if I never go into the building and we have all the chairs in a perfect little row again, I couldn't be happier. And that is as true today as it was the first time I thought it, not just the first time I said it. There's, and, and I'm, you know, next Sunday, it's possible you're going to come in here and all the row, chairs are going to be in a perfect little row, if I'm just being honest. It's possible. But I'm telling you what, we're, we're moving and I'm coming to the place, I want living room. I want living room. I want living room. I want a room we can live in, we can drink coffee in, we can grow in. Other, those who are called to ministry can come in here. Did you, did, you, did you learn anything from the teacher that was in your group today? Did you? Come on, give it up for them. I said, I asked all of those that were teaching this morning, when we met before we came out, I said, is anyone nervous? And every single one of them said, yes, yes. And, but that's normal. I've been doing this for 31 years and there's never a time I stand up in front of this, behind this pulpit, knowing I'm going to speak to you 
Not ever a single time that there's not anxiety in me. Never. There's always a measure of anxiety because I recognize the weight of the word that he has trusted me to share with you. Trusted me with to share with you. I recognize the weight of that. And I think if we ever come to the place where there's not some anxiousness, some anxiety, if we ever get to that place, we need to repent and find our way back to the truth because we're not being, we're not putting ourselves at risk. We're not putting ourselves in a position where faith is required to go forward. If all I ever do is walk in the same thing I've ever done, faith is no longer relevant. I don't need it. I already know that works. I don't need faith for anything else. He didn't call us to that. So this, this what we did today. I don't know what going forward is going to look like. Yes. So I, I just want to publicly speak to you about a dream I had. I didn't tell you. Um, and it was recently. <laughs> but I feel like it... When, as soon as you said whatever that statement was about eating their seed, our own seed, yeah, our own seed um, recently I had an encounter where Yahweh took me to a field, and it was so large. I couldn't see all the way across, all the way anyway, I couldn't see. It was so vast. And um, I noticed that it wasn't green, and it didn't have, like, you know, wheat or anything in it. So I looked down at my feet, and I saw seed and the seed was stacked upon seed, stacked upon, like it was deep in seed. So as far as I could see, it was a field of seed. And I knew it represented um, us, the Rock of Central Florida. So I can boldly say we are not a people that eat our own seed because I've witnessed our seed. Right, right. And it's in this field. And the awesome thing was um, there was a tractor a, a pretty far away from me. And being from the country, a green tractor means John Deere. So I was just like, oh, there's a farmer on a John Deere tractor. And I woke up, didn't think much about that. But as the day um, progressed, I came to realize that green represents the spirit of the Lord. And so immediately I knew the interpretation of that dream was the spirit of the Lord is working our field. The spirit of the Lord is working our seed. That every seed we you have spoken... We have spoken, we have sown with our hand, with our faith, that it is being worked now. And I, as your wife, am in agreement and in alignment with you. I will say, last week, sitting on the front row with my love for children and my purpose, I almost felt like I needed to raise my hand (laughs) and repent because I had a hard time, I'm just being honest, um, with the thought of, you know, type of person coming in just for my... Just say it. Just say pedophile. 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 But I'm being very open and candid because sure. I feel like it's important that all of us do this, that we, we take a look at ourselves. Mm. But last week I made the choice. I thought, I don't understand that. Um, I have a lot of feelings and emotions that would rise up against a person like that or you know, just a hard time receiving that, but I'm aligning with you. And I know, I know, I know, even this week, it's easier for me. Mm. And, um, and so I know that this working of the seed, the timing, what you're saying is so important. We can't just see this as another crazy Steve Parker experience. And we're all going home. This is a, this is a move, just like the woman reaching for the hymn. We as a body are reaching for that hymn. His identity was in that tassel, in that hymn. And so we're reaching to become him here. Mm. And we've always said it, but this I know that I know is a marked time. So I want to acknowledge that with my words. I want to declare that I am in alignment with you and that the seed of this house is being worked right now by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, honey. Amen. I want to, yes. I just want to strike hands with what- Mama Kim, what you're saying um, by the spirit and physically, but what she's saying is, and what Pop Steve is saying is, if there is not a trembling in you, then you're not ready for this place. And so if there's not a trembling, you need to repent and you need to pay attention. Mm. Mm. There has to be a trembling in you. You have to consider the trembling. Mm. That is the only way Mm. that we are going to bring into the earth 
what is in the heavens, what is in the Father's heart. There has to be a trembling. There has to be something that scares you. So when you're setting that alarm, you need to be considering, um, dang, I don't know what's going to happen today. This Sunday morning, it's probably going to cost me something. It's going to cost me something. So let there be a trembling in you the same way there was a trembling in that woman because there was something. That's where Yahweh's heart is. You can't have the kingdom and not have a fear. Right. You can't right. please Yahweh and not have fear right. or something costs you or something right. uh, uh, stretch you in a new way. So I strike hands with the trembling in each one of our churches mm. because we need that. Mm. That's the only way Amen. we can go into the place and welcome those who make us tremble, who, 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 who right. scare us. Right. 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 That's right. the only way we can do it. So the trembling means that. It's preparing you. My father used to tell me something when I used to play sports. He said, son, when you feel the adrenaline, when you feel uh, um, your body tighten up and you feel uh, your face get red and all those things that you feel from adrenaline, it's just the father preparing you for what's happening. So if you have that trembling, that just means that you're alert and you're ready the same way your shoe was alert Amen. and ready for what was coming from behind the same way he was ready for what he was going to. Amen. 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 So, tell me, which of those people does Christ not love? Which of the vagabonds, which of the ones that don't fit our mold, that look dirty in our eyes, which of those does he not love? Which of those does he say, you have, you know what, you crossed the line. You're not welcome in my church. Not a single one of them. Now, we do that in our mind. We do that in our world. But every time we do that, it, re, it, it, will, it reminds us, if we're honest, it reminds us how far away from Christ we really are. Every time we say, there's no room for that near me. You are actually the answer he sent to that. You are the answer he sent to that. I need 12 people to stand behind me real quick. 12 people. If it's more, that's okay. Or less. Is there 12? One more. One more somebody. So you're going to do exactly what I do, okay? You're just going to follow me. Get in a group. Get in a closer group because you're going to have to go down this little aisle right here. So you... Still missing one? All right. So we're going to go... Come on up. It can be more than 12. So you're going to go right... You're going to go... You're going to follow me. What I do, you're going to do, okay? Just follow me. You ready? Okay, here we go. Now stop. I want to demonstrate something to you, a visual. If this is Christ, and these are the disciples that followed Christ, if he did not keep going, he was not looking at what was behind him. When people came to Christ, they followed him. So now turn around with me. And he was always looking ahead. Isn't it interesting that less of his attention was on those who had joined themselves to him than on those who had not yet? He didn't even see the ones that were joined to him. He didn't have to pamper and wipe their nose and do all of that. It might be necessary sometimes, but they take care of themselves. If they just keep following him, they're going to learn how to take care of one another. Are you hearing me right now? The more they followed him, the more they're going to learn, I need to take care of her. I need to take care of him. This is what he just did to that guy that was way outside. But as he walked, keep follow me. He's looking at what's ahead of him. When did he ever turn around to make sure they were still following? That was never the attention. The attention was, my focus is on those who are, on without, who are without. I have been sent to the lost sheep. I've been sent to those who do not yet know me, and I'm going to find them out. And I'm going to walk this way. And, there's going to, and believing the whole time, the body of Christ is behind me. And then I'm going to come around and I'm going to turn the corner and I'm going to come over here because I'm looking for those who haven't yet found me, he says. 
I'm still looking for those who are searching, but have yet to find. And he keeps walking in the body of Christ the entire time. The whole time, that body of Christ. We're going to do this again. And as we do this, I want people from different groups. I want you to just, as you feel led, I want you to just kind of stand up and become a part of the group. And he just kept walking. And he was looking ahead. And, and lives would be impacted. And they would be infected, uh, uh, affected. And, and their, the, the anointing began to change them. And, and then it became contagious. And, and they, couldn't, they couldn't cease from allowing this thing to happen. And he began to move. And then suddenly he looks up one day Tom Christ looks up one day as he keeps walking just keep following me he keeps walking and as he does one day he realizes suddenly this thing that started with a few has turned into the many but he never stopped now listen to me he never stopped and just said oh I'm just going to enjoy the size of this crowd that's just following me he never ceased from his work he was always looking forward. Is there anyone out here that needs me? Is there someone that has been rejected by the many, but not rejected by me? Is there anyone out here that needs me? Is there someone out here that doesn't even know what they see? They see this throng of people walking behind me. They don't get it, but there's something contagious about that curious out of curiosity i've got to know who this man is because there's people following him that's the anointing of christ that's present in every single one of you that have received him every single one of you if you look ahead and you're looking to the ones that we so easily reject and you just make yourself available there's no there's a word in you to change the life the lives of those that you impact every day and if you'll be faithful over that, they'll set their alarm on Sunday because they're going to want to be where you are. But don't look. We can't look around and say and gloat in what we've become. We have to look ahead and realize that still what's out there will always be bigger than what's in here. Do you hear me today? The living room, and I realize this room is not very big. We're crowded already. I get it. I want to have to use the lobby. Because people are coming in here and saying, listen, I came in here. This is the condition of my life. They, again, they might not even think they're wrong. They might. And it, we, we have got to become. Next week, we're talking about the way of the kingdom. And I, we've got to become the people. We've got to become those who, when they come, we don't judge them. We don't assess how much they know or how little they know. We just say, welcome. And then demonstrate the kingdom of God. You hear me today? One person can't do that. It will take all of us. But here's the amazing thing about Christ. The kingdom of heaven grew. The kingdom of God grew as long as they had vision for what was in front of them. If Christ had ever turned and focused only on those who were following him, the expansion of the kingdom of God would have ceased on that, at that moment. He never turned around to look to see who was behind him. He never counted the followers. He only, the only number he knew was the ones that weren't. I'm measuring whether or not I have fulfilled my purpose by those who are not yet among me. Can we do that? So, let me wrap it up with this. This is very, and thank you for visiting today. Those of you that are visiting today, I know that this is probably very odd for you. But, um, I, I, I'm... I've been here a lot of times and this has never happened. I'm just saying, with the new people too, usually they're in my seat, but I just wanted to see what you've been dying to see this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So next Sunday, I'm gonna, all I know right now is the chairs will be in groups again. We're going to do group teaching again next Sunday. That's all I know. And I, will we do that every week? I don't know. All I know is I want to make sure that we wipe away the fog, the reflection of our past, 
so that we can see clearly what he has put in front of us. So next Sunday, we will have group teaching, and we'll see where it goes, but we will be, the subject of what we're going to talk about is the way of the kingdom. And the way of the kingdom is so often very different than the picture that we have in our mind. Let's learn and grow. And I realize, let me say this to you, and, and this includes even our visitors that were here today. Today, when our visitors came, our chairs were in pretty little rows, and it was nothing unusual. But next week when they come and they're not, what I don't want is the, the most difficult thing is to make a visitor feel like they have to figure out what's going on. That's unfair to them. It is important that when we gather next week and you see people come in that haven't been here in a while or they're first-time visitors and they come in here, go to them. Put them at ease. Don't expect them to have the same peace you would. They're in a very unfamiliar place among unfamiliar people. They could have children. No telling what they might have come from. Let's put them at ease. Can we do that? That's how it grows. As he walked and the people begin to follow, the kingdom of heaven begin to increase. And my heart is that we give opportunity for those who are outside of what we know to hear the voice of God within your voice. They need to hear the voice of God within your voice. They need to see the life of Christ within your life. Amen? Amen. Father, I lift my voice over these that are gathered with me. My eyes are open today as I look at them. And I...